my subject this morning is the Holy Spirit and you. How do we view the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Do we believe that the Holy Spirit's job is to convict us of sin, to make us feel guilty, and then uh, lead us to repentance? Is that how we view the Holy Spirit? Do we believe that the Holy Spirit is a power, a force, or do we believe that the Holy Spirit is a person? Well, let's get started and see what the Bible has to say. Does the Holy Spirit convict us of sins? Now, convict means to find guilty. There's a large part of Christianity who believes that just that. They believe that the Holy Spirit convicts us and makes us feel guilty and hopefully leads us to repentance. But is this true? Now, this is what most Christians believe, but is it true? The root word convict, convict, I should say. Now, it means, okay, to find, we're found guilty. But it appears only eight times in the Bible, and never once does it has anything to do with our daily life as believers. The Gospel of John contains the only passage that joins the Holy Spirit and convict. So let's see what the Bible says. In John 16, 7, the Bible says, but I tell you, this is Jesus talking, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. So the first question that we need to ask is, as we read this text, who is Jesus speaking to? Who's being convicted here? Well, the Bible says the world, but it characterized as people who do not believe in Jesus. Jesus is not talking about Christians who already believe in him. Convict is exclusively reserved for unbelievers, not for believers. Do we really believe that the Holy Spirit's job is to remind us of our sins and then to make us feel guilty so that we'll do something about it? Either we'll confess our sin or we'll go leads us into repentance. Do we really believe that that is the work of the Holy Spirit? Well, 
The Bible might tell us differently. But let's look at John 16, 13. Let's find out what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. But when he, the spirit of, of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So the Bible says that he will lead us into all truth. Now, the Holy Spirit is here to live in us and live through us through the character of Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit is to lift up Jesus Christ. So when the Bible says that he will guide you into all truth, it's not talking about the rapture. It's not talking about the, the mark of the beast. It's not talking about those doctrines of the church. It's talking about lifting up Christ, revealing who Christ is, revealing what Christ does in the believer through the believer. So he says that he will not speak on his own. And yet the Bible says that he will tell you what is yet to come. And then the Bible says in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And then the Bible says the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The Holy Spirit teaches us our identity in Christ. It says he testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So the Bible is quite plain. He is our counselor. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our comforter, and he's our advocate. It seems to me, as I read about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is our trainer. He is our coach. When sinful behavior occurs in our lives, it's the Holy Spirit that reminds us not of our sins, but what happen at the cross. We know when we sin. We don't have to be reminded of our sin. We know when we sin. All sin is willful sin. So let's look at a little bit like what the sin issue is all about. And so let's go to Hebrews. For I will give, this is God the Father speaking. Hebrews 8, 12, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Now that's God the Father. We're talking about the Holy Spirit, so let's find out what the Holy Spirit says about sin. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant that I will make with them after that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Now, keep in mind, we're talking about the Holy Spirit saying this. And then he adds, the Holy Spirit, then he adds, their sins and lawless acts 
I will remember no more. Now, it's pretty plain. We have God the Father saying that I will remember their sins no more. We have Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us he took away the sins of the world. So it's no issue with Jesus Christ. And then we have the Holy Spirit who says their sins and their lawless acts I will remember no more. And yet we have millions of Christians who believe just the opposite. The whole Trinity is in one accord. Your sins are remembered no more. <clears throat> but just think of the millions of Christians who believe that there's going to be a judgment day, they're going to have to appear before the judgment bar of God, and they're going to see all their sins up on this big, huge screen. And yes, I've read some of their material that at the end of all this display of all their sins, that Jesus is our attorney, and he's going to say, paid in full. But my friends, that is not Scripture. The Bible says that the Trinity remembers our sins no more. No sin is going to be brought up because they're forgotten. <clears throat> there are many who feel that the Holy Spirit is always reminding them of their sins or convicting them of their sins. Let me show you what the Holy Spirit convicts us in. The Holy Spirit is conv convicting the unbeliever, not the born-again Christian, of sin. The Holy Spirit is convincing you and me when it comes to the sin issue. He's convincing us or convicting us of this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. So when we sin, the Holy Spirit is reminding us that you are a new creation. And then he's reminding us that all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Not counting our sins against us. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counties, counting People sin against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. I don't know how much plainer the Bible could make it. First of all, the Trinity tells us that our sins are buried into the depths of the sea and remembered no more. Then the Bible says, even if you do sin, God is not counting your sins against you. And then he says... And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled, now listen to this, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You have all the fullness of God in you when you accepted Christ as your personal Savior. And then in 2 Peter 1.3, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for godly life 
through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. He has given us everything we need for godly life. Already given us everything. So most Christians have the wrong image of the Holy Spirit. They read the book of Acts and Pentecost experience where the Christian church started. And then they look at the church today and many don't know what to make of it. I've walked into churches where men and women were rolling on the floor. I've walked in some where they were dancing in the aisles. Years ago, when holy laughter came into existence with Brown down there in Florida, I went to a church in Northern Virginia that was practicing holy laughter. Uncontrollably, people were just laying on the floor laughing like crazy. And you would, anybody who had never experienced anything like that, you'd walk into that church and you'd think, these people are crazy. They're just out of control. I've seen people falling backwards. And I've always prayed for the person behind them that they would have the gift of catching. Because people were falling backwards. And all these people were believing that they were experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. But here's the problem. When the Bible says that Christ lives in you and that he will never leave you, and when the Bible says that he has given you everything you need for life and godliness, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit living in you does all this. It's the power of the Holy Spirit in you that gives you all that assurance. And when you read those scriptures, you begin to wonder, what is the truth? What is the truth about the Holy Spirit? What's going on? I've been in churches where people have raised their hands, looked up into the sky, and prayed that the Holy Spirit would come down and possess them. Prayed that the Holy Spirit would come down and fill this room. The Spirit is not up. It's in. It's in. When a person accepts Jesus Christ as a personal Savior, he receives a new heart, and this Holy Spirit comes in, and the Holy Spirit will never leave you nor forsake you. He will be with you all the way to the end. And you have received a full measure of the Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit a force or a power? Or is it an it? Some people refer to the Holy Spirit as it. Or it. Is it a person? Years ago, I was watching television, and I was watching a healing service that was done by one of the, the at, at that time, I still th think he is, probably the largest faith healer in the country. And the church was a huge church, and it was packed. He asked everybody to stand, and everybody was standing. 
And there was a section up there that he, he breathed on. He went, and that whole section fell back into their seats. Is that the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit a power, a force? Or did this televangelist, did he have the gift of breathing? I don't know. But what was it? What do we see today? My question is, where was the Holy Spirit five minutes before these Christians received evidence of the filling of the Holy Spirit? You know, we read in Acts that flames of fire came down and rested on, on the disciples. Now, I'm glad that nobody's made a doctrine out of that yet and expecting that to happen. But as you read Acts, should we sell all of our possessions and goods and divide them up among us? Because that's written in the book of Acts also. I don't know how many of you remember Tony Robbins. He's still out there today. He has seminars, seminars all over the world. And he came to Washington, D.C. And my nephew, who was living with us, he said to me, he said, I think I'm going to go see that. I said, that would be interesting because they advertised that you could walk through, you take your shoes off and walk through beds of coals. And so when he came back, I said, how did it go? He says, I did it. I walked through those beds of coals. He said, I couldn't believe it. I said, what did you feel? He said, well, it was warm, but he said, it didn't burn me. And he walked all the way through. What the mind can conceive, the mind can achieve. I was on the island of Okinawa. I was a Marine, and I was taking martial arts. And the sensei, he piled up nine bricks. And he called me over there, and he put a towel over the bricks. And he wanted me to break the bricks. And he said to me, when you see the bottom brick, go down and break it. I thought, is he crazy? When I see the bottom brick with a towel over it? And I stood and I looked at that thing for 45 minutes. And I finally saw the bottom brick, and I was able to go down and break it. What the mind can conceive, it can achieve. You would be surprised and shocked what we see in pagan religions today. You want to talk about miracles, you go to one of those. You want to see things happen that are strange and you can't identify with, you go to those because you'll see the strangest things. I understand the need to have evidence. I understand the desire to have God tell us that we're okay. I understand those things. But what's happened in Christianity is amazing to me today. We are chasing after one experience after another just to find out, just hoping that God will somehow 
display his power so that we can know for absolutely sure that we are accepted by him. God has already given us everything we need in life and godliness. So how does the Holy Spirit relate to you? The Holy Spirit produces in you the character of Jesus Christ. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit in you produces love that works in you and through you. That is the responsibility of the Holy Spirit. We don't read 1 Corinthians 13 and say to ourselves, well, next week I'm going to start on patience. And then after I get that thing settled, then I'll go and start on kindness. And once that I, I deal with that, then I'll go on to self-control. Now, if you're in the world and you heard Tony Robbins or anybody else tell you this, it works. You'll be a better person if you work on those things. But that is not the way of God. The way of God is to allow the Holy Spirit to work all those things out of you. You can relax and trust God that he lives in you and that he works in you and through you. And he does that with the evidence of love. The first step that we need is believing what God says is true. That's all we need to do is just believe what he says is true. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 9, no one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Now that text has caused, I can't tell you how much heartache and heartbreak it has caused, but here's the truth of that text. I've gone over it several times with you. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, a surgery was performed on you. God opened you up took out that stony heart and gave you the heart of God. That heart that you have now does not want to sin. The power of sin, the flesh, yes, it does want, it wants to. But this heart, this new heart that you have does not want sin and does not sin. It does not sin. So the Bible is absolutely correct. He cannot sin because he is born of God. Your flesh will sin, but remember what the scripture says. He will not hold our sins against us. You are pure and complete from the inside. That heart you have will never get any better than what it is today because it is complete. Now, as believers, we do not want to practice sin so we can get better at it. That's not our motivation. 
We hate sin. We were sinners by nature before our new birth took place. But now we are born again. We have an obedient heart. We're not always obedient, but our heart is. We always want to be obedient. And when we sin, we feel bad. We get disgusted at ourselves sometimes. But we have that perfect, obedient heart. We hear a lot about being filled with the Holy Spirit. There are many different beliefs about the evidence of truly being filled. So what is the truth? Ephesians is the only epistle in the New Testament that calls us to be filled. No other place, just one. And we've made a doctrine out of this. And so let's look at that text. Ephesians 5.18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. This is the only scripture in the epistles that ask us to be filled with the Spirit. So what does it mean? Well, I could give you my explanation, but let's go back and see what the Bible has to say about this. In Ephesians 3, 17 through 19, it says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray for you being rooted and established in love. This is what Paul is saying, that you must first be established in love. And then he says, may have power together with all that the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. May have power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled, now let's look at it again, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. The Bible is very clear. Paul's view, being filled with the Spirit, is the power to grasp the love of God. Here, listen to what Romans 8, 9 says. You, however, are not in this realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So the Bible is saying there are two possibilities. I don't belong to God, and I don't have the Spirit. Or, I belong to God and I have the Spirit. All of us here belong to God. All of us have the Spirit. Not only have the Spirit, but the Bible says that we have the fullness of the Spirit. The fullness. We don't have to go looking for anything else. And then notice in Romans 5, 5. 
And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Past tense, it has been given to us. The Holy Spirit was given to us. When? When you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. We have all of the Holy Spirit that we will ever have. Right now, this morning, right here. We don't have to go searching. We don't have to look for some experience. We don't have to, blessed are they that do not look for a sign, but put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Listen, the Bible says that you can count yourself dead to sin. You can count on it. You can count on yourself being complete in Christ. That's what the Bible says. You can count yourself to be sealed by the Holy Spirit unto the day of redemption. And that's what the Bible says. And you can count yourself filled with the Holy Spirit because you are. And that's what the Bible says. So the counsel is, if you believe it, walk in the Spirit. Walk like you believe it. Live like you believe it. Act like you believe it. Shall we pray? Our Father in heaven, we just thank you and we praise you for making us complete for sealing us. What a comfort there is in knowing that we are sealed unto the day of redemption. What a comfort it is to know that we are filled with your spirit. And your spirit is not only in us, but desires only to live through us. We're thankful, Lord, that we've been called to demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we pray that as we go about our day today and the rest of our life, that we will be reminded constantly, constantly of what was done at the cross, that the sin issue is over and that we are alive in Jesus Christ. Bless us, I pray, for we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.